It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are tuned in to episode three of Locked On Royals on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson. And plenty to get into tonight after the Royals' 14-1 loss to the Cleveland Guardians at Kauffman Stadium because it's a big press conference tomorrow morning involving Royals owner John Sherman. What's his report card so far? We'll hand out some grades coming up in our first segment. And what will this lineup look like after the deadline? Who's going to be in it? Who's not going to be in it? We'll dive into that 15 minutes into the show. And lastly, tonight's starter, Austin Cox. Is he a starter long-term or is he going to be a bullpen piece? I'll tell you about it next. All coming up on Locked On Royals. You are Locked On Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Royals your first listen every day. And a reminder, we are free and available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. So the boys in blue lose tonight at Kauffman Stadium, a whopping 14-1 score. They drop game two of a three-game series against the Cleveland Guardians. About as ugly as you could get. Austin Cox making his first major league start. He'd been great in the bullpen, but he gives up a grand slam to Jose Ramirez on the first pitch of the at-bat in the top of the third inning, and it was all downhill after that. Nobody in the bullpen could stop the bleeding. You had a major league debut from James MacArthur, a pitcher the Royals acquired from the Philadelphia Phillies for an 18-year-old prospect in their system. Clearly, Uh, There felt like there was some data involved. Maybe that was more of an analytical move. We'll talk about a nightmarish Major League debut for James MacArthur. Before he could record his first Major League out, he surrendered six runs. Matt Duffy, a position player, became the second position player for the Royals to pitch in a game this season as Kansas City falls to 22-58 and over their first 80 games. The halfway point of the 2023 Major League Baseball season will conclude tomorrow afternoon in this series finale against the Cleveland Guardians. Shane Bieber will go for Cleveland, and it'll be Zach Greinke going for Kansas City. But we're not going to recap a 14-1 to loss. No, there are far more important things on our plate tonight, a late edition of Locked on Royals. Because here in about 12-ish hours, Let's go a little bit under, 10 hours. John Sherman, the owner of the Kansas City Royals, is going to speak to the media. Now, where I work, my day job, Sports Radio 810 WHB, we'll have some coverage on that. We'll have some audio from that. And we'll be sure to talk about what John Sherman said in tomorrow's edition of Locked On Royals. But to me there's not much an owner can say that that really can make you swallow or stomach a season like this. Uh, For some of you out there, you may be expecting John Sherman to take the blame of the losses. For him to get in front of the podium and say, 
this season's on me. I expect to be better next season, and I'm going to do my job to ensure that. The tricky thing about owners is in a lot of times, a lot of sports, a lot of leagues out there, they're a scapegoat, right? If your team doesn't spend a lot of money, you don't blame the coach. You don't blame the general manager. The finger pointing goes to the owner because at that position, you feel like, well, he's a billionaire. He can spend all the money in the world and it won't matter. He won't put a dent in his pocket. But what I want to do before John Sherman speaks to the media is kind of lay some ground rules here. Now, maybe you can listen to me. Maybe you don't. But I'm going to be one of the people that goes out there and says, if you're really angry about a 22 and 58 team, I promise you there's a couple different people you could blame. But I'm going to lean on the side that there's not many guys currently on the team and the coaching staff in the front office that deserve just this wholehearted blame, this hatred for the way the season has gone. You take a, t- a step back, you take a deep breath, and you evaluate where this team is. Okay, they've got a team that has a second-worst record in baseball. They've got a bottom-five farm system, and they didn't spend any money in the offseason. Their most expensive deal was Jordan Lyons. A lot of minor league deals, one-year deals, cheap deals at that. Their two most expensive deals are two starters that are struggling in the rotation. So uh, you can be mad at John Sherman for not spending money. But I think in a rebuild, the best thing you can do, always in uh, ground zero, when you try to start this thing up, you got to evaluate where you're at. You got to look yourself in the mirror and actually understand what you need to succeed. Now for this team, I think to a lot of us out there, we thought you were going to be better than 22 and 58. You maybe thought 70 wins or 75 wins. They're barreling towards the worst season in franchise history. And as bad as that sounds, as many losses as pile that pile up for this team, at the end of the day, there is some clarity. There's some clarity with this team. And, and now you can go from here. Like, if I'm going to place blame on John Sherman, I'm not putting it on him in year three, I guess this is now. I'm not putting the blame of the... The, the 2023 Royals on John Sherman or J.J. Piccolo or Matt Quattrero or Brian Sweeney or Zach Bove or Alex Zumwalt. These are coaches working with a lot of young guys with not much money. It's a general manager, president of baseball operations that is just trying in year one to right a lot of the wrongs that happened over the past five years. And yes, an owner is going to take a lot of blame because the easy solution when you are Kansas City is Well, just try to be competitive. Now, for a lot of Royals fans out there, for those of you listening, correct me if I'm wrong. You just want competitive baseball. You want to go to the Coppin Stadium, go to the K in June or July, and there's a reason that the ballpark is packed. You're five games out of first place. You're, You're three games out of a wild card spot. That's all Royals fans ask for. They're not asking John Sherman to break bank. You don't need to go be in the Shohei Otani sweepstakes. We brought up, on yesterday's episode, some free agents I like. Now, is that going to solve a team that is he- heading toward 109, 110 losses? 
No, there's a lot more moves that need to happen. There's a lot more guys that need to improve as to where they're at right now. But for a report card standpoint, what can we hand out to John Sherman so far since he's owned the Kansas City Royals? Well, I'll tell you one thing, where he does get an A+, and it's probably going to happen tomorrow as well. John Sherman is phenomenal in press conferences. When I've heard the man speak, he says all the right things. So it's easy to, to be starstruck at times and go, I really believe in what he's saying. I get behind what he's doing. Now, it's been a couple of months, more than a couple of months, since we've seen John Sherman in front of a podium. He was there the day that they fired Dayton Moore. But what he said on that day was important to a lot of Royals fans. They wanted to be more analytically driven. He wanted J.J. Piccolo to tell him what he wanted, and he was going to give him what he wanted. It was the aggressiveness, the I want to be here. I bought this team for a reason. We're going to go from there. But fans have since turned on him because the downtown stadium seems to be the focus. There, there's not much uh, speaking out for a team that is 22 and 58. There's not much accountability, it feels like. But maybe tomorrow some questions can be answered. But as far as pressers go, speaking to the media, he gets an A+. In terms of spending for the team, I'm going to give it a C- minus to a D+. Plus. There haven't been very good moves. There hasn't been much money put into the team. And if that doesn't change in the offseason, now there's a whole different story. There's a whole different episode we'd have lined up if John Sherman's not giving money to J.J. Piccolo or this team in this offseason. The offseason of 2023-2024. Because if he's not spending money, people are going to stop spending money going to the stadium. And they sure as hell aren't going to spend money or vote to a new downtown stadium. Nobody wants to do that if the team's losing 100 games. But hopefully some questions can be answered tomorrow when John Sherman speaks to the media. But presser-wise, when speaking to everybody, speaking to the media, speaking to the public, A+, plus, he does a good job of that. He can convince people that he's on the right track, this team's on the right track, but he's going to face quite a hard room tomorrow and a fan base that is already starting the turn because they're tired of seeing this team lose so many games. They're tired of seeing tonight in which you lose 14 to 1. It's 100 degrees out here in Kansas City. People spent money, 20 bucks on parking, 15 to 20 bucks on a ticket. Eight to ten dollars on a beer, a couple more on a hot dog, maybe helmet nachos. I don't know. Spend a hundred dollars, you go with a couple people for that. People are going to stop doing that. So yes, D plus C minus in spending. If you want to be critical and say F, you know, let us know in the comments below. However, you're listening tonight, YouTube, Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Odyssey. Let us know in the comments below. What is a report card for a guy like John Sherman? I think A-plus impressors, D-plus, C-minus on actually putting investment in this team. And I'll probably go D-minus on the, this forward thing for the downtown stadium. We haven't heard much. We don't know what's happening. And that is a problem right now because that seems to be the main focus to all Royals fans. Stop focusing about a downtown stadium. Focus on the team. But I'm excited to hear what John Sherman has to say because I'm not going to put blame on the guy. For 58 losses. You know, he's an owner. Yes, he puts money into the team. But this year was never about spending. This year was about finding who they really are. This was ground zero for the rebuild. 
you screwed up in 2018, 2019, 2020, and 2021, and 22. Now it's a new manager, new coaching staff, new regime. You got to find out who you have, who's actually a long-term player, then you go out and spend. But if there's no spending of the money in the offseason, then we have a different conversation. But that's my report card for Royals owner John Sherman. He speaks tomorrow to the Kansas City media around 9.30 at Kauffman Stadium. Do not go anywhere because speaking of this Royals team that just lost by 13 runs to the Cleveland Guardians, let's take a little bit of a step into the future. Who may be in this lineup after the trade deadline? How young will this lineup look? We've already gone over trade candidates and trade possibilities. But how can you shake up this lineup? How can you make this lineup the best version of itself? All that is coming up next on Locked On Royals. You are tuned in to Locked On Royals on the Locked On Network. And before we go any further, I want to thank you for making Locked On Royals your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And before we go any further, want to give another shout out to one of our main sponsors and the main sponsor of today's show. That will be Game Time. If you're ever struggling to get tickets, you got to go through the Game Time app because everybody's been stressed before and trying to buy tickets before the game. If you're going out to Kauffman Stadium, you want to find a way to get a ticket. This is the best way to do it. They've got flash deals and last-minute tickets. They're easy to find and buy tickets for any event in the area. Uh, they make it really, really easy on you. Game time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hype for the fun that you're going to have. So game time is my place to go to get tickets, especially when you go into Kauffman Stadium or if you're going to a comedy show, you're going to a concert, all that. There's stuff to go to in Kansas City. The place to go to is game time. So that is our official sponsor today. Be sure to check them out because that's where I'm going to go. That's where you should go to get your tickets. Last minute, great deals. That is game time. Now, looking at this lineup, where it is right now, the construction of this lineup, how Matt Quattrero has handled this lineup in Kansas City. Now, Nick Prado has been the leadoff hitter for this team for about the last month, but tonight, for the first time in a while, Bobby Wood Jr. slides back into that leadoff role. I know that I probably agree with the majority here that I, Bobby Wood Jr. is not a leadoff hitter. I know that GM and president of baseball operations, J.J. Piccolo, has said he is going to be this team's leadoff hitter of the future. But you changed up a little bit because what Bobby Wood Jr. is not is an on-base guy. I'm sorry to say it. If that's brand new, brand new news for you, then I got to be the one to break it to you. I mean, you can see it at the plate. Bobby Wood Jr. has the makings of a superstar. Everything he does oozes superstar. He's got the glove. He's a, a top 10 defensive shortstop in baseball. Top seven, I believe. And he's sitting right next to Michael Garcia, who's the best defensive third baseman in baseball in defensive run safe. But Bobby Wood Jr. has got the speed. He's got the power. He's got the glove. But the approach, I question. Okay, so I question the approach. Now, the walks, they've been a little bit better of late. He's drawing more of them. 
but he's seemingly never a guy that's going to walk. And it can frustrate you as a Royals fan because you know how good he already is. He's already a stud. But a stud becomes a star and a star becomes a superstar when that approach becomes a little bit different. And the last thing I truly believe for his game is learning how to walk. And until he learns how to do that, folks, he is an elite off hitter. He's a number two hitter. He's a number three hitter. But there's a lot of mixing and matching. And the point of this segment is not to hammer Bobby Witt Jr. or criticize Matt Quattrero for the lineup tonight in a 14-1 to loss. But Nick Prado had an off night. You got to watch this atrocity of a game from the bench. But usually it's going to be Nick Prado leading off because he's got the best eye. If it were my personal choice, I'm going to go with who we labeled as a dark horse rookie of the year candidate. And Michael Garcia's got the speed and the vision. Let's just get into it. Let's go one through nine here. How I would shake out the Kansas City Royals lineup after the All-Star break. Now, there are going to be some moving parts because Michael Massey coming off the injured list had the last race on his finger. You have to factor that back in. Will Samad's Taylor stay in Kansas City? Will Dyron Blanco stay in Kansas City? Kyle Isbell's back. What's that mean for Drew Waters? Let's just go through it. One through nine of what this lineup should look like after the All-Star break. So leading off, I'm going to take my favorite guy here and put Michael Garcia at third base leading off. He's a guy that's got pop, sneaky pop at that. He's quick, and he walks more than you'd think he would. That's a big part of his game that he's improved on. I like Michael Garcia at the top of the lineup. Then I'm going to get a little bit creative here. I'm not going to drop Nick Prado that far. I'm going to drop him right there to number two because I'd love to have a one-two punch at the top of your lineup, even though Nick Prado, Prado's been slumping of late and Michael Garcia for that matter but it might be fatigue setting in from a long first half of the season and guys that aren't used to playing a full Major League Baseball season. But I think Michael Garcia is leading off. He'll play third base. I'd like Nick Prado batting second and playing first base. Then I'm going to go back and go righty, lefty, righty. I want Bobby Wood Jr. at the three hole. I'm leaving him there. That's where I want Bobby Wood Jr. hitting. And right behind him, I'm going to put the captain, Salvador Perez. You give Bobby Wood Jr. a little bit of protection. He's in the three-hole. He can drive in runs, set him up for a big second half, and hopefully see more pitches. But a part of seeing more pitches is you got to put yourself in hitters' counts. You got to get it to two and one. You got to get it to three and one. If you get it to three and oh, you're not dead red swinging. You are taking a pitch, walking more, and you can thrive in the three-hole. So those are my first four guys. I got Michael Garcia leading off at third base. I have Nick Prado batting second, playing first base. Then I have Bobby Wood Jr. playing shortstop, batting third, cleaning up off the captain and catching Salvador Perez. Then it's a little bit up in the air here. I think fifth, I am going to go with MJ Melendez. This is tricky for me because MJ Melendez could be a guy that I firmly believe is a triple A candidate, maybe to get things right. It's been a disastrous sophomore slump for him. But maybe at this point is trying to grind through it. The old Ned Yost saying is just, you got to put him in spots. I'm not going to take him out of the lineup. You know, you go back to the early years under Ned Yost when Alcides Escobar was at shortstop. Everybody's always wondering, why is Alcides Escobar hitting in the ninth inning with the game on the line? 
And Ned Yost said, he's got to learn how to hit in those spots. I'm going to leave him in there. And lo and behold, he's an ALCS MVP, had the inside the Parker in the World Series, came up countless times in the postseason because naturally, mentally, he knew how to hit in those spots. MJ Melendez, maybe it's the same thing. You just got to get him through this season. You have to try and find a strong second half in there. So if that is the case, if that's the goal, I'm going to hit him fifth, and I'm going to keep him out there in right field. I'm not moving him between left and right. I'm keeping him in right field. Give him this entire year out there in the outfield. Let him grow from it. In the six hole, I think I am going to go with the right-handed bat here. I'm going to go more so of a switch hitting bat. Because I could put Edward Olivares here. I'm not sure if Edward Olivares is going to be in the lineup after the trade deadline. Could be a trade candidate. I'm going to put Drew Waters here. And I'm going to keep Drew Waters in center field. Because I think that is the future fit here in Kansas City. You want to put Drew Waters in center field. Kyle Isbell, I'm putting him as my fourth outfielder. I don't know if he's there offensively enough to stay in this lineup. So it's going to be Waters in center field. The switch hitter there, so six spots. So not loading it up with right-handed hitters three in a row or three lefties in a row. I'll go Waters six, the switch hitter there. Then I'm going to switch back to a lefty, go Michael Massey at second base. Could platoon him. Could platoon him with Samad Taylor if you want to keep him up at the major league level. I think that Michael Massey, once he gets back, should be given everyday reps at second base. I'm assuming Nicky Lopez is all right. You know, praying that he's all right right now with a hand contusion. He's day-to-day after being hit on the hand tonight uh, from Logan Allen at the Cleveland Guardians. But if Nicky Lopez is moved, it should be Michael Massey and it should be Samad Taylor. That's who I would have hitting seventh. Then you start to wonder DH. Where, where do you want to go with DH? Usually DHs don't hit this down in the lineup, but I could always flip it. I could put Salvador Perez at DH for the rest of the season. Because if that is the case, I'd love to keep Freddie Fermin in the lineup. Freddie Fermin has been a red-hot hitter of late. He's been one of your best hitters in an otherwise brutal stretch for the Kansas City Royals. So, DH or catcher, I'll flip him either way, but I'm going to put Freddie Fermin in this lineup. I'm going to put Freddie Fermin at eight. I would love to see him play there. Plug and play, you can be DH catcher. I like his defense better than Salvador Perez right now. So I'm going to do a quick flip here and then go back on it. So Salvador Perez, he's going to DH, still be cleaning up. Freddie Fermin, he's going to bat eighth and do the catching. And then ninth, this is where you can be a little bit fun with it. You know, one guy I tweeted out, and you can follow me on Twitter at Johnny J underscore 15. That's at J O H N Y J underscore one five. Follow me on Twitter. I can give you all things Royals all day long, and especially right here on the Locked On Royals with the Locked On Network. Tucker Bradley's a guy I really like. I tweeted this out. He's been red hot in the month of June. He's coming up on a month in which he had a 550 plus OBP. That's what you need. He's walking over 16% of the time at the plate, 16% walk rate. And he's slashing 307, 424, and I believe about 460. Not a big power hitter, but somebody I'm willing to give a chance. And a great story at that. Undrafted free agent out of Georgia in the COVID year 2020. Tucker Bradley could be a guy in left field you go with. Maybe it is Samad Taylor if Michael Massey at second base. Maybe you keep Edward Olivares, and he's going to be there in left field. But for a rookie, I wouldn't mind seeing Tucker Bradley there. I wouldn't mind seeing Samad Taylor there. But that's my complete rundown of the lineup. As for the rotation, I hate to say it, folks, but I'm sure Zach Greinke and Jordan Lyles are still going to be churning out innings in the rotation. Brady Singer and Daniel Lynch will be there. 
Instead of Austin Cox, who we're about to get to shortly, I'm going to go with Angel Serpa as the number five guy in the rotation after the All-Star break. But we are going to come back and wrap up the show with a little bit of talk on Austin Cox, the, the man of the hour, the guy who started tonight against Cleveland. Is he a starter? Is he a reliever? All that coming up next on Locked On Royals. You are tuned in to Locked On Royals on the Locked On Network, and we thank you, as always, for making Locked On Royals your first listen every day or night. Obviously, this is a night show, a night podcast tonight, because with the Locked On Network, it's your team every day. And tomorrow, uh, we are going to recap what John Sherman said in his morning press conference at Kauffman Stadium. We'll get into a little bit of a recap of this entire series. It'll be a 110 first pitch tomorrow for Kansas City against Cleveland. Shane Bieber, the ace for Cleveland, going up against Zach Greinke. 103 is a temperature expected for first pitch. So for you brave souls hanging out to Kauffman Stadium, uh, let me know your experience uh, in the comment page below if you're going out or I, I just want to give you some prayers in that point because you sit in those plastic seats at Kauffman Stadium. It's going to feel like lava out there. You're going to feel like you're sitting right on top of the sun. But we'll be a quick recap, and we might look ahead to that Dodgers series. should be a very fun three-day weekend series welcoming an interleague champion like the Los Angeles Dodgers. But before we say goodbye tonight, Austin Cox, what is the future for a guy like Austin Cox? I said this. I, I tweeted this out last night. When you have a guy like Austin Cox, a 25, 26-year-old aged prospect, and he's thriving in one spot, he's pitching well in one spot, even when you are 22 and 58, you got to put guys in spots they succeed. And I guess I'm not throwing a tantrum, losing any sleep, shedding a tear over Austin Cox getting a start tonight. In fact, I was more intrigued about tonight's game because Austin Cox was the star. But he doesn't even make it through four innings, or five innings, excuse me, because he's already given up a grand slam to Jose Ramirez, and he's getting hit around. And to me, that's a very obvious point here, that Austin Cox, who hadn't allowed a hit to the first 39 batters he faced, he's then put in a rotation spot, and lo and behold, when he works a little bit longer than he's used to, starts getting hit around. Who would have thought second time through, third time through, Austin Cox is getting hit? It could have been seen a mile away. Now, I'm not going to fault the Royals for making a move like this, but at the end of the day, it's about putting guys in spots where they succeed. It's exactly why I said before our break, Angel Serpa, who's coming back from injury, he's been out for a long time. He's my guy to get the fifth spot. And you move Austin Cox right back to the bullpen. I'm not giving up on Austin Cox. I still like the stuff that he has, but he's a bullpen guy. I'm keeping him in long relief for the rest of the season. I'm not saying tonight changed my opinion. It was disastrous and all that. He gave up four runs. Not to a bad offense, but I would love to see the Royals just go, he's great in the bullpen. Let's leave him there. A perfect example is Carlos Hernandez. Carlos Hernandez has great back-end reliever stuff. And in fact, when the Royals trade Aroldis Chapman and Scott Barlow, my money is on Carlos Hernandez, probably minus 250 for him to be the closer for a really bad baseball team, a record-wise. But he's a perfect example. Early on in the year, he was the best pitcher the Royals had, stuff-wise, number-wise. But what J.J. Piccolo said is, we're going to keep him in the bullpen. We're not putting him anywhere. And lo and behold, Carlos Hernandez has stayed there, and he's gone through ups and downs, but for the most part, 
He's been a reliable reliever. Good stuff. He's not having to drop down the, the velocity, dip in the velocity to get through five or six innings. He goes and lets it eat for one to two innings. That's what I would like to see from Austin Cox. Don't worry about second time through. Don't worry about third time through. Because all you need to do is get us six outs. Don't need to get us 15 outs. This, I hope, was an answer for Matt Quattrero tonight. Because the future for Austin Cox as an aged prospect is in the bullpen. He was not a great starter in Omaha this year. He's thriving in the bullpen in Kansas City. Keep him there. That makes the most sense to me. I don't need to see Austin Cox as cynical as may say. I don't need to see him make another start. If somebody else can make that start, okay. Let's put him back in the bullpen. Hell, you could do an opener next time around. In five days, do an opener and then go to Austin Cox. It's an easier leverage spot for him and a guy I'd love to see in the bullpen next year. But as for the future for him, it's in the bullpen. It ain't in the rotation. That will wrap up our third edition of Locked On Royals on the Locked On Network. Be sure to subscribe to, subscribe to us excuse me, on YouTube, Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, and Odyssey. And as always, reach out to me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. You want to ask a question? You want me to talk about something? You just tweet at me, and I'm going to get to it in, in our episode. I want to leave this up to the listeners because you are a big part of this show. You've already had a great turnout, lots of downloads, lots of views, lots of subscribers. It's been fantastic. And even in a season like this, I can't wait for tomorrow's episode because I can't wait to talk some more Royals baseball. So that has been our third edition of Locked on Royals. Be sure to check us out tomorrow on all of those platforms, any podcast platform you listen on. Check us out there or on YouTube. We'll have John Sherman talk tomorrow. We'll have a series recap and a look ahead to that series against the L.A. Dodgers. All of that coming up tomorrow on Locked On Royals. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 